Coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing podcast. I come out of the Tahoe area where a lot of the guys would say 30 feet is all you need to cast. If you can cast 30 feet, you'll do just fine. If you can cast 80 feet or you can you can put a 100-foot cast out there because you're out in the parking lot throwing dollars on the ground so you can cast the furthest, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to be able to cast that far and do it well. And uh, I think that's, you know, wind. I think that comes down to saltwater fishing. It doesn't matter what you're doing. A subtle casting reminder from Victor Babbitt, Tahoe to Missouri, and back again today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how you doing today? Thank you for stopping by the show. Quick reminder, at the end of this show, we're going to be doing a listener shout-out and spotlight. If you have a chance, stick around till the end, and you'll find out which listener we're we're giving a shout-out to today. This has been a fun one, connecting to people uh, online and through the email list. So if you you want to connect with me, check in anytime, and, and we'll see if we can get you on the show. Rare Gear makes truly unique and innovative fishing gear to help you travel lighter, faster, and fish more. This telescoping fly rod doesn't need guys and packs up small enough to fit in the pocket of your backpack. And actually, this thing will fit in the pocket of your pants. No question, right in the back of your pants. This is likely the most unique rod you've seen this year, so you have to check it out right now. Head over to raregear.com. That's R-E-Y-R gear.com. Check it out right now. Jackson Hole Fly Company is a new kind of online fly shop. They design and manufacture their own high-quality fly rods, reels, gear, and over a thousand patterns. I've been using my sling pack and been loving it. Shout out to Jackson. Right now, you can get 25% off your first order. Head over to jhflyco.com slash swing to get it right now. That's jhflyco.com slash swing. Victor Babbitt takes us into the Tahoe area and then over on his new gig on the Missouri. We dig into the Truckee, the Carson, and some tips on fishing both of these rivers with a little focus on the surface. And then we find out what's really got Victor fired up and some challenges that he's digging into as he leads into his new venture. So without further ado, get ready for this one. Victor Babbitt, here he is. How's it going, Victor? Going well. Thanks, Dave. Looking forward to doing a good conversation here and good morning yeah yeah same to you i i uh we tracked you down there was at least one person a few people out there that have recommended you for the show and and i'm not sure actually now that i was trying to look back at whether they were in california or where they were exactly but i'm this is going to be good because you came over from um you're in tahoe and you've moved across the country a little bit now and we're going to dig into your background but uh, before we jump into some of the on the fishing Let's jump right into just quickly back to how you first got into fly fishing, and then we'll take it from there. Oh, that sounds great, Dave. Um, you know, as a kid, uh, I was a crazy fisherman. Um, I lived in uh, Orange County, Costa Mesa, Newport Beach, and uh, my father was a Newport Beach fireman. And they used to, my parents used to take me to the pier and fish when I was a little kid, or we'd go to the Balboa Bay and fish off the little docks and have a great time. And, um, you know, I used to get dropped off on Balboa Island, uh, while my dad was working and we would just kind of, uh, look over us from afar, obviously, cause he'd be at the station and we'd be running around and, and, uh, fishing off the docks and having fun. And, um, did a lot of trout fishing in the Southwest corner of uh, Utah, uh, a little Creek called Mammoth Creek. 
I, I started, you know, going crazy fishing. And, and when I was about seven years old, I, my parents, uh, almost begrudgingly, I think, uh, bought me a fly rod from uh, big five. Cause I had found a, this lefty cray version, white fiberglass fly rod and, and, uh, and had to have it right. Seven years old. And, and, uh, just had to have this fly rod and had no clue how to use it. Uh, really never had anybody show me, never got a mentorship or anything. And no one, my aunt used to take me fishing a bunch, but she didn't know how to fly fish. So, you know, I struggled every once in a while. We'd run into somebody out and when I'd be traveling with my aunt and, and uh, they'd help me a little bit, but never really got much help. And that, that rod ended up uh, being a carp fishing rod out of the Colorado river. And we just never, ever got to it. Uh, and, and then ended up at the cabin, the family cabin in Utah. And, and then that got sold and it disappeared. Mm-hmm. So I don't have, fly rod any longer but that's what started it and then uh i moved to tahoe in uh i think it's 1984 and in uh you know she moved there blind never been just knew i wanted to be up there and be a ski bum and and uh when i moved into my first house up there a rental house with a roommate uh found a fly rod an old siloflex um from my hometown costa mesa in uh in the barn and pulled it out and and you know long story short the the kid that was living there said yeah the owner didn't want that you can have it so it had an old automatic reel on it and uh green anodized i don't know what brand it was i can't remember but uh, anyhow (laughs) that was kind of the start and uh and and there was an old fly shop in tahoe uh a gentleman named wayne wilkins um had a shop that was called the i don't remember the darn name of the shop but uh Anyway, he, he ran the shop up there and it was what Sierra high flies, uh, was the shop. And I fit right in and jumped in and he taught me to tie flies and, and, uh, you know, got me casting and we had that rod rebuilt and re re, uh, wrapped and, and that's what I started with. And, uh, and then, and then it just went wild from there and for three or four more years. And then, uh, during that time I, I, uh, was working for a sporting goods store a sports LTD up in Tahoe, good friend of mine. And, um, you know, we were going to open up a, a fly shop there and, and, uh, or, or a fly sh- or what do you call it? Fly section, whatever you want to call mm, it. A, yeah. a, a section in this rather large, um, store, specialty sporting goods store and kind of got it started and, and got connections and all the stuff. And then my buddy, Mark, uh, Last minute decided, nah, I don't know, because he didn't fish at all. And so he wasn't comfortable having those category. And so he said, hey, let's, uh, why don't you do that on your own? And uh, so we looked at it and my dad, my stepdad at the time that was super excited about it and was a fly fisherman. And and he uh, backed me up a bit. And uh, and then my brother was involved as well. And, and then we opened uh, Tahoe Fly Fishing Outfitters. There you which go. Was the beginning of the whole deal. There you go. And what, what year was that? Did you open that? We opened that in 1994. 1994. Oh, nice. 94. And that's, again, you know, so many of these episodes go back to 94, which like river runs through it, right? About the same time that that show, that movie was out there somewhere in their early 90s. Yeah, exactly. Just after that, you know, it been, I don't, and yeah, just after that and, and uh, things were going crazy. And, you know, I just look back and, and how basic my shop was when I opened it. It was kind of crazy. Um, you know, we're an old gas station with pull-up doors, you know, and, and a uh, little office side thing. And, and, uh, we used to, 
we used to have to bundle everything up in the wintertime and because a ski shop would come in and that's just the way my lease worked and we condensed this little you know this you know a fair amount of product into this little teeny office if you could you know remember an old gas station where the office was maybe i don't know 200 square feet or something <laughs> not big um and we'd slam everything in there and and uh try to stay open during the winter time and uh and then come spring we expand back out into the whole building and redo everything and it was uh it was nice to keep everything clean right because you had to reset every single year versus when i bought my own or built my own building then all of a sudden you know you're there you're around and nothing moves and you know the, the clutter builds and yeah, that's turns right in. typical you know <laughs> well, yeah. and you were there for um and at tahoe like 20 it was almost 30 years uh, actually 27, 28 years. Yeah. We were into our 28th season when I, when I turned it over or sold to, uh, to, uh, Brendan Burnside and John Brassfield to a uh, gentleman. Brendan used to be a head guide for me and, and, uh, he brought in one of his clients and good friends and, uh, we worked out something, took a little while, uh, but we worked it out and, uh, now they're, uh, the proud owners of Tahoe Fly Fishing Outfitters and doing a phenomenal job with it. And just, just really putting some fresh energy in and energy. I wish I would have still had, but, uh, my, I didn't, I didn't have it anymore. I had some of course, but, uh, not like they're going for it. They're, they're actually coming in and really, uh, working hard and doing some great programs and I'm proud of them. That's cool to hear. It's always, uh, it's always interesting. I mean, that's the thing you own a fly shop for almost 30. I mean, that's a career to think about me, right? 30 years is, is definitely a full career. So you're, you kind of uh, got out of that, and we'll talk a little bit more about where you're headed now. And but for people that are listening, we're going to dig into some on kind of the Tahoe area, you know, and and that. But um, it, they can still connect with that shop. It sounds like that's a good place. If somebody was heading up there, if they had questions after this episode, they could go just connect with them and, and dig in deeper. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic shop. There's some great fishing around Tahoe, you know, the Central Sierras basically. Um, and, and these guys are doing all kinds of good programs. They've got a lot of women's programs that are coming up with, which I'm real proud of. We brought a few different, uh, women guide and guides in towards into my career and, uh, and they're flourishing and, and starting to do a lot of programs, which I think is great. Yeah, that is, that is awesome. Yeah. There's, I was just connected with, uh, there's a, it's a all women's, uh, it's kind of like a, a fly fishing film tour, but for women uh, putting all the, everything together. So that's going to be coming up soon this year. We're going to be helping to promote that and, and give it, we're going to dig into some on, on Tahoe, but before we get there, talk about, I want to hear that transition. So you essentially kind of retired from, you know, the fly shop and um, this next piece you're over in Missouri. Talk about just quickly how that uh, kind of came to be and where you're at, where people can track you down there. Well, I have been coming to the Missouri River, uh, you know, between Craig and Cascade for in the fall, usually uh, for the last 10 years or so, uh, and always chasing uh, the blueing olive fishing. So we're always here in October and sometimes even staying into the early part of November. Um, and it was just like this to me, it was a dry fly heaven. You'd go in the river and there'd be a bunch of guide boats and everybody's going down the channels and down the middle and, and, uh, you saw very few people fishing, you know, drives, uh, boats were all nymphing. And, uh, so, you know, we go down the river and just, you know, you pull off anchor up, set up, you could be rowing the boat and, and, uh, anchor up on fish and stand up in the middle seat, and 
and cast and fish. And it was just super social, super fun. And uh, I just absolutely fell in love with that season um, and uh, decided when I sold my shop, you know, because we've been coming up here so much, we, we started looking for property and, and so on and so forth. And we finally made the decision uh, that, okay, I want to be up there. And, uh, and I say we, my other half girlfriend, uh, we, we made that decision. We're going to move to Tower. We're going to move to, uh, to the Missouri and, uh, and let's find a place. And that was a, probably a year long thing while we were trying to sell the fly shop. And, you know, one thing led to another and we found a business and, uh, up here, uh, and it, uh, we had it all settled in last July and, and, uh, we thought, okay, we're giving them money and we're going to have this business. A uh, little bit of lodging, little teeny fly shop, and and uh, you know a, a shuttle service and whatever down here in the lower end, more towards Cascade at uh, Pruitt Creek. And uh, Phil and Joan, great people, super nice. Phil's been Phil Camera, has been time fly forever. And, and uh, anyway, he uh, they were going to sell, and then they kind of changed their mind, right? They, I think Phil decided they just did not want to leave the area, and and uh, they wanted to stay there and keep part of the property and we just you know we never could really figure it out and so we thought all these plans were were not and uh we drive home and we're down in missoula and uh bear something or gulch or whatever it is on the I think on the clark fork and uh camping and we get this phone call from a real estate agent that called me and and uh we had we had looked at a house with her one only one other place and it was too big and the covenants said you couldn't do anything commercial so we said, okay, no, but, uh, but she calls us and she goes, Hey, did you see this place? And we were looking at, uh, Zillow and we didn't look at realtor.com or any of the rest of the stuff out there. We're just looking at Zillow and places. And this particular lodge was not on that marketplace. It just, you couldn't find it. So she goes, well, have you seen this? No, we haven't. So, okay, this is what it is. And, um, you know, what do you think? And we said, well, yeah, that's right along the lines of what we think, you know, it's 14 acres and six room, double room, uh, uh, rooms, six rooms with double beds, whatever you call that. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> and, and, a, and it's, you know, built in 1990. So it's, you know, it needs a little work, a little love, but, uh, anyhow, long story short on that one, uh, the real estate agent called and tried to get a, a, a meeting. So we come up, come back up and look and we we're just going to turn around drive back up and look at it and uh the owner said no you know we've already got two different groups of people you know la 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 la, la looking at it etc cetera, etc cetera. and and uh, no I, I don't think it makes sense so uh so we we're like ah oh, jeez okay so that's one more you know mark of going in the wrong direction so we went home and uh, two weeks later uh my girlfriend says hey just call the guy, you know, he's an outfitter, you're an outfitter, you know, just call the guy, see if it, if it went through or not. So I give him a call and, and next thing you know, he, he says, well, this group, uh, it's not really working for this group. And you know, they can't get the financing and this other group doesn't really can't make a decision. So, you know, let me, let me see what happens over the next couple of days and, uh, and I'll give you a call back. So he calls us back on a couple days later on a Saturday and says, Hey, you know what? Uh, this really isn't working for these people. And, and so, you know, I think it's not going to hurt if you come up and look. So we get in the car the next day on Sunday, drive up, meet, uh, meet on Monday night and, uh, and check the lodge out. We stay in one of the rooms and, and, 
have breakfast next morning, have a meeting that next afternoon and uh, with, with the owner and the real estate agent. And next thing you know, we're putting an offer on it. And, and hmm. uh, the owner's like, well, why don't you, you know, I, I don't want to get into any kind of a war with anybody and bidding war or anything like that. You know, I want you guys to have it because of he knew that, you know, my background in outfitting and running the flock shop and everything. And he wouldn't have to do as much work to get somebody else up to speed. So he said, yeah, you guys just give me what I'm asking for it. And, and we're good because he had brought the price down. And, and uh, so he said, and we said, okay, let's do it. And so next things next within 30 days, we own this small lodge that uh, they're calling the Missouri Riverside. Well, wow. uh, Missouri Riverside Outfitters and something lodging or something like that. But anyway, the new name's going to be the Missouri Riverside. So that's what we're delving into. And, uh, you know, it's a, we're not in a rush. We're just kind of slowly building it. We, you know, barely got a website started and, uh, getting a sign built and, you know, all the fun stuff. But like I said, we're not in a huge rush. Last thing I want to do is go back to, you know, going crazy in a, in a business I did for all those years in the fly shop. Um, and, uh, but we're going to take a little bit slower. Lake Lady Rods builds distinctive custom rods, each created one at a time to the exact specifications for each angler. I can definitely attest to the quality of this build. I've got my Lake Lady Rods sitting right now underneath uh, the seat of my car, ready to go. Actually, it's not underneath the seat of my car. It's back in the, uh, actually in, in the vault, uh, in the trestle vault in the back of the car. So I've actually got that. Um, in the back right next to that is another nine foot uh, five weight, I believe. But just want to give a shout out. I love the Jungle Cock inline rod markers. Nice finishing touch on this uh, beautiful rod. But you got to check it out for yourself. Chris is doing an awesome job over here. He's been smitten by rod building since day one when he first made his uh, trip to the factory. Lake Lady also restores builds custom bamboo rods from scratch. And the story of passion continues. That's wetflyswing.com slash lake lady, L-A-K-E-L-A-D-Y. You support this podcast by clicking over through that link. Wow, that's a that's a cool story. And that, another reminder, I was talking to, uh, we had Brandon Molson on. Uh, he was talking about buying a house up in Canada. And he said the one thing that got them in the door, a cool tip was he sent a video of himself and his family, like to the owners. And that separated himself, right? So they, they sold them this beautiful property up in Kamloops and stuff but you know good, good little tip for those out there in the, the market because it is a tough market to buy things right now did you find um when you guys bought it this this sounds like this was maybe a little bit before the market went crazy or, or was it kind of crazy at that time no it was totally crazy I just think uh I think the, the owner um Arnie just he was done and you know he wanted out and and you know, and we had to do a, a 1031 exchange with my other building from the fly shop. And, you know, we, we thought we had lost that opportunity by not getting this other business. And, um, and all of a sudden it just fell into place for this. And within a, you know, a day's limit of us being able to, to do that exchange. And, um, you know, so for us, it was just like a no brainer. You know, I, I, we weren't really even shopping price. We just saw it, uh, my girlfriend walked in the door and she just goes, no way, this is it. And it was just, it was just perfect. And it's been great since we, we love being on the piece of property, you know, the river's right there. We're not on the water. We're, you know, a couple hundred yards from the water, but we're backdrop and our backdrop is Eagle rock, uh, right in the Canyon, oh, wow. um, mid, 
right across from the mid cannon launch, basically, uh, in the Dearborn exit. Uh, it's just a perfect location. And, uh, it, the surroundings are incredible. Uh, wildlife's incredible. Uh, you know, when, when you look out your window and you see a, a Rocky Mountain sheep uh, on your lawn, uh, kind of cool. That is cool. What's the biggest, when you look at it between, um, you know, and we're going to dig into a few, like we said at the start, we'll get back to Tahoe, but I'm, uh, you know, curious on this. So looking at Tahoe versus uh, where you are now, is there a big difference between kind of just everything when you look at it, the fishing, the environment, all that? Well, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of differences. And the, the main one for me was I was done with California. I was done, 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 yeah. done, right? And the, the tourist, uh, you know, I've always been a huge fan of tourism in the Tahoe Basin. And just, you know, because that's how I made my living or my living and, and livelihood. And, and, you know, I always loved the tourist. It was great. You know, the more, the merrier. It's always how I've run my life. The more, the merrier. Let's go. Right. Yeah. And, and unfortunately the last couple of years in Tahoe, uh, California in particular, but Tahoe, it, it, the, the tourism changed. And I don't know, you know, I haven't had a whole lot of conversations up here yet with other business owners and, you know, I have had some and yeah, it's getting more crowded up here and stuff, but, but Tahoe was like, the tourist was different. It, it wasn't the same tourist of, of, you know, the 30 years past, it, it was just a different tourist and a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, entitlements and such. And, and people just weren't the same. Even our guide clients, you know, were, were, um, just, it just, it just wasn't the same and it was too many people. And, you know, town was full seven days a week. Careful what you ask for, right? I mean, it was all saying of, hey, we want to get this town back to a seven day a week, crazy, you know, people in town, everybody's doing well. But it, it, it just, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm getting old, right? <laughs> it, right. Part, you know, is because I'm getting old, I'm sure. But, you know, conversation with other business uh, friends and such in town, you know, they all, everybody's saying the same thing. A lot of people are leaving the, the area and, uh, for me, it was perfect to come out here. You know, I didn't really want to be on the west side. I wanted to be on this this side over here on the plains or up on the edge of the plains. And it's a slower pace and, uh, you know, a little more conservative, I think. And you know, it just fits me more. And, and yeah. so far, so good. Like I said, we've been here since last September. So we haven't been here a long time yet. And uh, we, we called a, you know, a, a, a Montana traffic jam was, you know, we're driving out to go down to Southern California and to Arizona and Florida and do a road trip. We just got back yesterday or yesterday. And, uh, anyway, so we're driving out of town out on 15 towards Helena. And all of a sudden we see, you know, within our view, we see four cars, right? I mean, a couple hundred yards apart, whatever, but, uh, it was like a Montana traffic jam. Yep. We just spent, we spent a lot of time in traffic in Southern California in Arizona and all that freeway system down around Phoenix. And, you know, when we're in Florida, we drove across the country from, from, uh, Phoenix over to, to Florida and, uh, and, uh, my daughter's car and dropped it off. My daughter lives in Florida. And so we, you know, spent four days going across the country and on the freeway system or the highway system. And, and it's like, wow, you know, this, this really brings it to heart of why we are where we are because <laughs> right it. now I'm going to, you know, I can see I-15 and, you know, uh, right now uh, there's not, well, there goes one truck. So I look out to about a half a mile stretch and there's uh, one, oh, there's a car. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. You there's a couple of cars. And then the recreation road that goes along the front of our property, 
is, you know, you just, you rarely see, if you see 20 cars go by and in, in, in 24 hours, it's kind of an amazing thing. So, so that's the big difference, basically the people. And I think, yeah, when you think of California, you know, you definitely, obviously it's, it's as big as a, a lot of countries around the world, just California. So there's a lot of people there. And so how do you, like if somebody, let, let's dig into that a little bit on the Tahoe. So let, let's go back there just for a little bit, back to your, you know, your 28 years, um, you know, how would somebody, you know, now, or how did you do it in the past? How did you avoid, was there, could you get up into the smaller creeks? Could you go hiking? I mean, what would you recommend if somebody wanted to go up and fish that? Let's just start there. How would they maybe get away from some of those crowds? Some of the points I would say is, is yeah, the, the backcountry lakes uh, are phenomenal fishing. Um, you know, when I got into, you know, the early parts of my career in Tahoe, we did a lot of float tubing, mm, a lot nice. of float, right? And then a lot of still water fishing. And then we kind of slowly, you know, you kind of get away from that a little bit. And I haven't been in a float tube in years in a drift boat, but not really a float tube. So, um, you know, people, if you want to get away, I think in that area, I think backcountry, uh, you know, hike in to these small lakes and such is a great way to get away. It's the Sierra, right? You're in the Sierra, Neva- Sierra Nevadas. Central Sierras. There's a, there's a bunch of great backcountry lake fishing and small creek fishing and such that uh, that can be great. You know, you go to the Truckee River, you go to the Walker, you go to the Carson. You know, there's a lot of people. Yeah, there's a lot of people exactly, and the Truckee is probably the maybe the biggest name that you, when it, when you hear things out there, the Carson to uh, a few of those, well, let's take it to May. You know, if you were coming, you know, if you're going to be out there, what are you looking like when you look at the seasons, if you just say starting in May, that, that area where you were in Tahoe, where, where do you, where do you get most excited about? Are you thinking lakes? Are you thinking rivers? What are you doing in, in, in that period? Well, I, I can't hold it to May, but <laughs> yes, yeah. my, fishing down there and i got to experience i got to go back to it and and uh this last travel that i did in january uh and early february um the Truckee river uh is is has got a great betas thing and it's just a lot of fun and so you know that's what i'm always targeting is that time of year i'm looking for that proper flow and you know a cloudy day and and uh those those bugs are going to pop and the fish are going to come up and you know, the Truckee got hammered with that extreme drought, well, I don't know, it was seven years ago or something like that. And we all said, oh, it's going to take five years to come back. And, you know, rivers come back. I mean, that river was destroyed. It was gone. There was like two or three or four, as I recollect, pods of fish left where little springs were coming in. But it got dewatered. Oh, wow. I mean, it got dewatered. The California section upstream wasn't nearly as bad as down through Nevada. Um and some of my favorite fishing was down low on the, on the, uh, the Truckee below sparks and, and, uh, off I 80 down there, just, you know, before it goes into the pyramid Lake, that stretch mm-hmm. down there, uh, was always my favorite. And it, it was just a great blueing olive opportunity, dry fly fishing. And it, it, it got hammered, right. Just, just done. And, and, but it came back and in in my opinion this last time i was there last couple times i fished it this winter it was it was back i mean it was like it used to be there was big pods of fish and you know there's 15 16 inch pods of fish and you know if you if you didn't get a you know an 18 to 22 inch fish or two or three you know um uh, something was wrong but you know the opportunities were there again and just a lot of fun um and then, you know, that carried all the way up into California as well. The fishery 
was was healthy again, even though we had a drought last year, um, and seemingly into a drought again this year. Uh, it, it was it's it's fishing great. That's fishing good. So if somebody's coming in to hit, let's just you know with the truckie starting there, is that mostly? You know, what do you tell somebody, I guess you were guiding, it sounds like, up on the trucking, or is it mostly a drift boat thing, or is there all sorts of opportunities there to, to get connected to uh, some fish? Oh, there's all kinds of opportunities. You know, my favorite thing, just like up here, and and, uh, and why I fell in love with this uh, at the Missouri, is because of the trucky and, you know, pods of fish, and, you know, these, these, you know, sipping fish on the edges, and all that kind of stuff, and so I always preferred to get in my raft uh, at a, a pack 1300 and that was my favorite way to run that river. So we always wanted to see 350 CFS or above. And I just liked getting away. Uh, you know, the walk waiting is, is limited mm-hmm. like it is on the Missouri. Um, there's plenty of it, but it's limited in comparison to what you can get to in a boat. And just always like drifting and it's just always more fun for me to to be in a boat and cruise down the river and and i'm big on anchoring up and and targeting fish from a, from a non-moving position and and just love that kind of fishing that's it and so this pack so the 13 this is one of those i'm trying to think what, what's the brand uh, that's making that boat um air builds it oh yeah it's an outcast um boat and you know i've, I've had this is my second version that i'm on now and i'm probably ready to get a third version uh love that boat and uh a lot of places and you know it's it's a you know I don't, uh, the term creaking yeah. <laughs> almost kind of terms where you can be on some pretty small water in a boat like that and it was fantastic for fishing the trucky um fantastic for for uh anything that was you know small but then again put her on a big river and work just great yeah is this the one that has like the uh bottom is open so you can like stand up yeah, it's a stand-up uh, that platforms in it, built into the front and the back, um, and and yeah, so you could you had something sturdy to stand on, self-bailing, so the floor at the edges where the water would flow up. Oh right, yeah. So basically, you're floating down on the truckie. You're floating down, finding a spot on the edges and and anchoring up like in slower water, and then just casting up whatever upstream into a hatch or something like that. Yeah, upstream. Not so much upstream for me. Most of our fishing's downstream. Uh, down there, you're 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 you know casting beyond and then dragging it into the line and drop uh, kind of fishing, um, where you're doing a big reach bend and 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 then you, you know you're you're dragging it, getting it online and dropping it down and feeding fish. It was it's a it's a pretty fun day. And same thing I do up here. It's it's really similar. You know, I found myself upstream fishing here last fall uh, just because and and uh, it was it was you know, I'm used to fishing and dropping line down to fish and, uh, All right. kind of fun fishing upstream. So that's it. Yeah. So you're, you might be anchored up and then just kind of, you got a dry fly on the betas and you're just kind of floating it down into a right sipping fish, something like that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I don't know if you fished up here in the Missouri when you, when you get into the, um, the pods of fish, when there's just like multiple fish coming up and, and, uh, you're trying to, I don't know if there's a way of picking a fish, but <laughs> yeah, you know, looking for a bigger head, and uh, it's the same thing down there, just a kind of a, a mini version of it or a, or a moderate version of it on the Truckee. Uh, there was there were pods of fish as well as the fish that will just be like one or two fish on an edge, and then you're just looking for that that sip. 
you know, I, I've got pictures from years ago that, that just, every time I look at it, it just kills me, excites me. And, uh, pictures of a, of a fish and of its mouth and just having, you know, like 30, 20, 30, whatever, bluing olives coming out of its mouth when you're trying to pull the fly out of its mouth, uh, and, and releasing it. It just, it's just like they just gobble. <laughs> right. They love the blue. And that is the betas. The blue winged olive is, is, is the betas. Yeah. I'm not scientific about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, blueing olive betas, the, the, the bigger ones is the ones I look at, you know, the size when you're able to fish a, a 16 or an 18 versus a, you know, the, what I think they're called the pseudoclones, the little teeny guys, the 22, 24 betas. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not an entomologist. No. <laughs> No, no. We're, I'm always on the lookout for for a new etymologist. We've had uh, Rick Hafley on a while back, uh, who's kind of up, you know, more. I guess he's kind of Western, but yeah, it's always tough to find a good etymologist. Yeah, I I, I wish I would have studied it more, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so you have the betas, and that betas starts hatching on on Tahoe. When does that start up? And and as you coming out of the winter, I guess that's kind of the earlier hatch. Yeah, that's the earliest hatch besides midges, um, you know, and, and uh, midges are pretty much all winter, depending. And then the, the blooming olives, we're always looking for them. You know, we're looking for a 50-degree day uh, with clouds, you know, hopefully light wind. And, you know, whenever it's, you know, that's the determination. Although we found plenty of great fishing on a sunny day, uh, it's odd. I don't know. But I know the days that were the best were the ones where it was cloudy and 50 degrees out. And the bugs would pop and traditionally you'd get fish any sunny day. You'd always get the fish at the end of the day. Oh, you know, okay. When the sun starts to go down, then you, then you'll get a two hour session of, of good stuff. It seemed like, and you could fish till dark and the fish would be rising. And so now getting back to those, you know, just kind of look at the year and the, the seasons and stuff. So, I mean, Tahoe, I guess, is that a little bit different as far as when you're fishing? You know, if you're talking the truckie, I guess it's more of a, you're hitting it more in the winter. When, when does it, like, when, is there a time when it's not great fishing out there or is that kind of year round? You know, it's, it depends on the winter, obviously. Um, there, there are some, we used to always say stay away from second half of November, December, Getting into January, you know, we would say that's the two months that, you know, we're kind of like, eh, I, the chances are not great. The chances are that any given day, you could have good fishing area, well, particularly with Pyramid in the game. Um, but, you know, you p- picking days for that you know are going to be good, you know, or, or really good chance that's going to be good it's we start looking about the middle of january and then we you know make that hour and 15 minute drive down to down to the truckie down low in nevada and or you know the east walker was the same thing uh we'd make that hour and 45 minute drive down to the east walker uh occasionally that we'd fish the carson during the winter um it, it not being it's it's really too much of a freestone so it's it's tougher that it stays though and, and, you know, that was what we we're looking for. And then the next hatch was the squala and the squala would start coming off and the truckie did, uh, didn't in my, in my experience, didn't have near the squala fishing that the East Walker did. East Walker, you know, you, you could pretty much count on, uh, one out of 10 years, it would start at the end of February. Um, usually it would start in that first, second week of March and, uh, and we'd be able to fish stemmies and home stuff later later days and and things in that month of march and uh, 
good, good, solid, fun fishing. There you go. So, so squall, and then back back to that. So March, and that's kind of like right now, and then into April, May. That that's kind of a what's look what's that looking like? Is just as it just more bugs coming out as it things keep getting warmer. Well, we keep we stick with the you know the blue wings will go pretty late, um, not late, but you know they'll go into that uh, occasionally into the April time frame as I recollect. Um, but squalas, uh, would go through March and, and into April. And then we'd start looking at, uh, you know, particularly on the East Walker, we'd start looking for, um, golden stones to, to start mm-hmm. moving around, yep. start fishing those. And, and of course, uh, March Browns occasionally. And then the, the PMDs would come in a little bit later than that. And of course, caddis and micro caddis first and, and, uh, then you're into the summer. You're kind of into the summer, and and then eventually, it sounds like out there it gets kind of turns off when it gets really hot out there. Is that kind of once you get into July, August? Well, yeah, it depends on the weather, though. You have a 200 percent winter like we did a couple of two three years ago, and and you know we were floating the East Carson, which was probably my all time lifetime favorite thing to do is to to run the East Carson a 20 mile stretch um, from what they call hangman's bridge down to the, the takeout at broken down, down in Gardnerville, um, real true backcountry, you know, a few dirt roads coming into some spots of it, but pretty cool backcountry floating experience. Um, and we would do that, uh, looking for particular flows on the way down, you know, anywhere from 1200 and on down. And, but to the point of, of during the summer on a big year, you know, we're not getting on it until August, there were there were a couple of years I can think of that we were we weren't on it until August and then we, then we started floating and we didn't do walk wade trips on the Carson until like the middle of August. So actually I should say that we'd be floating it through July, um, but we didn't do di- you know didn't come down enough to do walk wade trips or good quality walk wade trips until you know and I could look at the old books and you could just see where it, it didn't we didn't didn't do any income until until late August. <laughs> so it depends on the year, depending on the weather, the previous year and, and snowpack and everything. Cause runoff's going to be, you know, whenever. And, and when you've got huge winter like that, that runoff just goes for a long time and which is what, you know, keeps those rivers healthy and gets them blown out and, and uh, cleaned up a bit. I just mentioned uh, trestle earlier, trestle, which is where my Lake Lady rod is sitting. Um, they provide secure, convenient storage for your fully rigged fly rod. That's exactly what I have going. I've got a fully rigged custom rod that I definitely want to protect. This is one that uh, Chris built me from Lake Lady, and I definitely don't want to get it banged up as I'm going down the road. The CRC system comes with secure mounting clamps to make sure this holds true. You can leave your rod fully rigged and fully uh, the full length, or you can pack it down into carry mode. Definitely loving what John has going over there. He's been great to connect with him, and I am excited to keep this rolling. They're all about making things easier. Too much good stuff. As always, you got to check out Trestle for yourself. T-R-X-S-T-L-E, wetflyswing.com slash Trestle. Check it out right now. You support this podcast by clicking through that link. How does the uh, the East Carson, it sounds like that was a favorite, the Carson versus, say, the Truckee, are they just all, I mean, it sounds like you can, whether you're starting low or high, you can get your the size that you need, uh, big river versus small? Well, yeah, the, the earlier up 
the upper parts of the river, of course, um, doesn't really come into play on the Carson because it's such a freestone river. But on the on the Truckee, being that it comes out of Lake Tahoe um, tailwater uh, with a bunch of feeder creeks as, as it gets down lower, um, you know, that and the East Walker being a tailwater, those fisheries, you know, you'd start those earlier. Um, and, and those upper sections didn't have as much of the tributaries coming into them. So you'd, you'd stay on that during the, the, um, runoff periods. And, you know, some of my favorite fishing on the truck, you were days when we, we'd fish the upper, you know, what, uh, I don't know, we'd start about thousand, 2000 feet below the dam and uh, there's a lumber yard area there and we'd fish down to what they called river ranch. And that section was always controlled flow. And we'd get in there and, and uh, you'd, you'd go middle of the day. Uh, so the sun was high and, and you'd go look for shadows and, and target these big browns that would go up in there. And that was, that was something from years ago. And, and uh, it still happens today. And it, it's just a, a fun experience. We were walking along and there's a big bike trail that or bike trail that goes along the edge of the river and you're just going up and down the bike trail looking for fish and all you're doing is is just looking for that big shadow and and then presenting to them fishing you know ants and beetles stuff like that was what we used to do and and uh that was one of my favorites for a long time and and uh just targeting beautiful big browns wow that sounds like that sounds like a lot of fun and you're in the middle of summer so it's probably pretty pretty nice uh pretty warm well, usually I think if I remember that being in the month of Jan or month of June, excuse me. Um, and then, you know, the water, they'd start releasing more water and wouldn't be as good. But the month of June is when it was always the best before the rafting season started. Rafting season started, uh, I think early July usually. And they'd start, you know, letting a lot of water out for the rafters. Oh, um, wow. That's right. You know, we'd fish it because there wasn't enough water for the rafters and, and you could you could, it was like spring Creek fishing. You're just, the, the water would spread out and you're just looking through crystal clear water, just looking for fish. That's right. Yeah. It's multi-use. It, it's interesting because the trucking, I mean, that's why it's such a well-known, you know, like you said, comes out of Lake Tahoe, probably one of the most known, you know, uh, names out there. And then it goes into Pyramid Lake, right? So, which is again, probably maybe one of the most known because of all the ladder fishing, right? All that stuff. And then after, does it, where does it go then? Does it kind of come out of pyramid? I don't even know the whole, uh, pyramid is considered a sink. So same with Carson, the Carson river. So the, the Carson, the Truckee and the Walker, what I used to call the big three for my area. Um, all three of them go into the interior. They make a river that goes to the ocean. Wow. Uh, it, it they're all three, uh, they go into sinks or aquifers, whatever you call them. Uh, the Carson, Stillwater Lake area down there and uh, by Fallon is where the Carson ends up. And then, of course, the truck ends up in Pyramid and then the Walker ends up in. Yeah, I think Walker Lake is the end of the of the Walker. And that, that's a, a sink again. OK. Uh, out in the desert. Yeah, the desert exactly because it's all heading uh, essentially kind of, uh, well, I guess, east, right? Is that kind of where they're all they're heading instead of west right away from the ocean? Correct. Correct. Yeah, they all have into the, the east side of the Sierras and never, you know, into the old Lahontan lake bed, uh, basically. So, uh, so yeah, so let's see. And, and like you said, so in May, you would be, uh, so the Truckee would be the river in May? Truckee, uh, the Carson is, you know, you're, you're on runoff 
So we probably, you know, some years you still get on it. Um, some years that the runoff's already done. So it just depends weather, but, but traditionally May isn't a month that we're on the Carson's much. Um, we, we would be on the Walker occasionally. Um, but the truck, probably mainly, mm-hmm. um, and then, and then, you know, small lake type stuff, the, those that'll, that are willing to fish in a lake. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll leave it, you know, if folks want to connect, we'll, we'll send them out to the fly shop, your old fly shop, and uh, they can connect, uh, connect with them. It sounds like they got the program going pretty strong. So, um, so basically now if somebody's listening to this and they wanted to get out there, is your, the place you're setting up there is, are you getting it ready to, uh, kind of get some folks in for seasons and guiding or how's that look like at your, uh, you know, at the, uh, your operation there? I'm kind of looking at my first season up here as my retirement season. Exactly. <laughs> and so we're not in a huge rush. You know, we, we can't wait to get going. I, I was a chef in a, in a previous life. Uh, oh, wow. my, my training in college and everything was, uh, was cooking and restaurant huh. management and, chef being a chef and all that kind of stuff. I did a, uh, an apprenticeship. Uh, I can't say that I actually finished it, but I did yeah. a good course. <laughs> nice. Uh, and then decided I'd rather be in the front of the house than the back of the house. <laughs> I wanted to wait tables and bartend cause that was uh, more fun. Um, anyway, that I did in a past life. And before I got into the, the, uh, fly shop, I was in the restaurant business. And so I'm looking forward to cooking meals. You know, I love to cook and, and, uh, and feeding people and, you know, we want to kind of keep that to, a, you know, we don't want to do too much of that where, you know, I don't want to be the full chef right. uh, 90 days in a row for the season no. that single day. I don't want to do that. So we're trying to pick and choose and hopefully we can keep that down to, you know, if I do that four or six weeks out of the season, great, where we're doing American plan, breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, sending out the guides, lunches, that kind of thing. You know, if I do that four or six weeks of summer and hopefully by Hopefully I do that next summer. Don't really want to do that much this summer. Honestly, I hate to say that. It sounds terrible. But uh, yeah, we want to take this slow and, and just kind of work our way into it. Sounds perfect. Right. We don't want to do it wrong. We want to have some fun doing it. That's the whole, we're here to, to, to live and, uh, and enjoy the, the space. And, and Exactly. Uh, sounds like you got the best of both worlds. You kind of have your operation there where you can kind of, ramp it up you know when you need to but you also you're you know you just kick it back retire there's no there's not a lot of pressure that's that sounds like a pretty good place to be where you're not you know forced to do it exactly well um i think yeah i think we've kind of touched on what i wanted to dig into is there you know if somebody was let's just take it to missouri if somebody was coming up you mentioned a couple shops things like that if somebody was going to be heading out in that neck of the woods that'd probably be always right the best thing to stop in uh one of those places and check it out and see what's going on or, or I guess at a later point, this episode is also going to be out here for a long time, uh, you know, years to come. So eventually you're going to have your operation going, right? So you will be a good contact. Yes. And, and, and anytime, I mean, I'll, I'll give out as much information as I can and as I learn it and, and get better at this area and such, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to and stopping in a shop. I think it's a great idea. Um, I'm trying to stay out of the outfitting situation. I, I'm sure I'll, you know, do a little bit. I'm going to get a guide's license up here and, and I'll do a few trips, but last thing I want to do is, is, uh, guide every day. Uh, right. <laughs> I don't want to do that at all. Uh, but you know, if I, I, I want to get my license for, 
for particular clients and such. Like yeah, get it, get it dialed in. That, that's cool. Well, let's go, just jump really quickly into a couple of flies and tips. Just this won't be a, a quick little segment to take us out here. And the Betis, is there a couple of patterns or a pattern you use on that? Or is that just kind of general? Any blue-winged olive size 16, 18 is going to be good. I know we were talking about the, the Tahoe, but just in general, what's your take there? Well, I, I've fished a lot of different patterns. Parachute Adams ends up coming back into it. You know, I fell in love with a with fishing um, uh, uh, purple craze uh, or a purple whatever yep. purple parachute. Uh, you know, something we don't fish purple down in something uh, in uh, the Sierra that I you know we never really got into the purple thing. But uh, fishing a size eighteen uh, purple wolf or something like that tend to work really well. You know, you're giving them something that looks a little different. Uh, standard parachute Adams. Um, flag done was another one of my favorites that I'd feed them. Um, you know, I, a lot of it I think is, is presentation though. And, and I'll go back to that. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I fished six X more, uh, in the last year, um, than I have put together in the previous probably 20 years. Right. I just, you know, don't, I, I normally don't fish six X. I like fishing five X and, and, uh, and I'll do my best for presentation to feed the fish. I found myself recently in this last season, uh, and dropping down to six X. Yep. That's a good, that's a good, uh, a good tip for sure. Is there another tip you would offer out there? If you're fishing this, the blue winged olive hatch, somebody's out there maybe struggling to find a fish. What, what would you tell them? It's windy up here. So, uh, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to be a great caster. Hmm. You know, it's, I come out of the Tahoe area where a lot of the guys would say 30 feet's all you need to cast. If you can cast 30 feet, you'll do just fine. Right. Yeah. I've been one that's, that said, no, yeah, great. If you can cast 30 feet, fantastic. But if you cast 80 feet or you can, you can put a hundred foot cast out there because you're out in the parking lot throwing dollars on the ground. So you cast the furthest, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to be able to cast that far. Yeah. And do it well. And, uh, I think that's, you know, wind, I think that comes down saltwater fishing. doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're a better caster, you're going to have more opportunity and, and, you know, learn to cast, yeah. <laughs> become a good caster because there's no reason not to. It's an art form and, uh, it, it can't hurt anything. Right. That's it. Do you take it? Is it to become a better caster? Do you recommend, you know, getting a casting lesson in a local shop, going through the fly fishing, you know, federation sort of thing, or just watching video? I mean, how does somebody become, or just practice, right? Is that, is that what you do? Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. Always look for tips from your guides um, on casting. Be open to it. Um, you know, spend that time. Ask your guide to, hey, let's, let's take 30 minutes and, and work on my casting instead of going straight to the water, straight to catch a fish, you know, kind of thing. You know, a little time because it'll pay off in dividends in the future. And, you know, I, I've, I've been a casting instructor. I never got my master's, but I, I got my, my standard CCI mm-hmm. it years and years and years ago. And I've always been a proponent of it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, that was one of the hardest things I had to do as a, as an outfitter and having, you know, 12, 14 guides and trying to get anybody else to try to get their, their certification. It was tough. And, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to make that happen with some people. Um, but man, I suggested why not Yeah, become a better caster and exactly. you have to caster to get uh, certified and, 
and uh, and then you know it just it's just a, a mode to get better. Yeah, that's a perfect. It's a great reminder on the casting and. And also, yeah, if you're going on another good one, if you're going on a big trip, uh, get a new fly line before you, if you're paying for a nice big, uh, you know, trip, might as well get a new line to go with it and, you know, make sure you have some good stuff there. What do you think would be on um, just one resource as we, as we head out of here, just for, you know, again, on the dry fly fishing betas, are there any things, you know, that, that taught you as far as kind of resources, mentors, you know, videos, books, anything like that you would recommend? Well, I, I think... <laughs> Back in the day, it was uh, Mel Krieger was oh, yeah. my you know, hero. He was, and uh, I had the opportunity to to do a little casting with Mel over the years, shows and stuff, and and then including getting to cast with Lefty Cray a little bit, and, and different people by going to the old shows in San Mateo and Sacramento, and right. and meet all these people, and you get to you know you, you get some help, and and that was always fun. But I always loved that that video that Mel Krieger put out. The, casting video that uh, that he did I, I learned tons from that and uh, uh-huh. it was good and then i had another another uh one of my reps uh, jamie lyle um who now is over in bozeman uh but he was in Truckee for many years and uh and he and i casted a lot and he, he taught me a ton and that, that's a caster there he's a he's a phenomenal no oh, perfect and he's still out we can track him down jamie lyle yeah he's still out here in bozeman i think he's a an orvis um representative now he used to be the sage rep and now i think he's an orvis representative up in this area okay and i, I talked to him once since i've been here and i know we were going to hook up this spring and, and uh, but man he's a he's an incredible caster as well. there you go oh perfect we had a couple of re- and then the mel creek i'm not sure if we'll be able to track down that video but it sounds like that was like on a dvd or something like that i'm sure it's on youtube i'm sure it's everywhere all right we'll track it out i love the youtube i'll try to put it in a youtube video and, and i love that we're wrapping this up with the lefty because we started out with that seven-year-old kid with the lefty rod that started this whole thing and now you're talking about literally you came back and we're casting with lefty was that when you first met lefty what what just take us there just for a second what, what was that like well the, the prime example i remember from lefty was going and i didn't meet him a bunch of times but a few times and and uh it was going to dinner with uh, a bunch of people at one of the shows in Denver and, uh, and sitting at a table with lefty and, you know, he keeps the crowd going. <laughs> yeah. But I'm riding it, riding in an elevator, uh, with him with a couple other people and, and, you know, lefty's cracking his jokes and, you know, I'll never forget that. That was, uh, that was hilarious. He was a crazy guy. And, uh, <laughs> I still have his little book called, it's a Garcia book, and it's Tips and Tricks of Fly Fishing by Lefty Craig. Oh, yeah. Which was a dollar back in the day, but uh, that's the book that came with my first fly rod. You got the book. That's really cool. Nice. All right, Victor. Well, I think we've we've done a good job here. We've uh, circled around, and um, if people have questions for you, we'll send them out uh, to uh, moriverside.com. Is that the right place if people want to connect with you? That's the that's the address, Mo Riverside. And, uh, and that's Perfect. where I can be contacted. So right. That's awesome. Good, good. Yeah. And this will, like I said before, this episode will live out there for a number of years. So, you know, but three years from now, you, I'm sure this website will be rocking and rolling with all sorts of, uh, it's a good stuff and, and we'll keep in touch with you, but yeah, thanks for taking the time today and then digging into some of these topics and, uh, definitely looking forward to keeping in touch with you. Well, thank you, Dave. It's good talking with you and, uh, and it's much appreciated. So there you go wetflyswing.com slash 316 if you want to get the links anything we talked about on the show today quick listener spotlight before we get out of here Rob McDonald 
uh, shout out to Rob. We connected uh, a while back, and I think it might have been through email and a couple other places. Rob noted on the last one, episode 300 with Frank Moore. He loved loved that one and uh, actually noted the spay. The funny thing, which I loved it too, because uh, Frank talked about how he was definitely not in the spay casting. So just like uh, my dad, which we've joked about that over the years. So Rob, shout out to you. Thanks for checking in. And I appreciate you for being a listener and love uh, that you had a chance to say hi. Definitely a big uh, virtual fist bump. If you want to connect with me anytime, just send an email, dave at wetflyswing.com. If you are listening right now and haven't checked in with me, I would definitely love to hear. It's super easy. Um, it makes my day anytime I can hear from uh, from listeners. So if you haven't done it, give it a shout out. That's all I got for you. Appreciate you. Appreciate the support. And I appreciate uh, everything you're doing. And I hope I keep uh, providing this information for you. Talk to you soon.